Hello, welcome to The Dollop, a historical podcast. Basically, what happens is every week, I, Dave Anthony, read a story from history to my friend, Gareth Reynolds, who knows nothing about it. Gary! I mean, I literally just said Gareth. God, do you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle and do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> I did it right after the Gary, then I stopped the recording. That's bullshit. Why? <laughs> you know why. Uh, it works for me. Yeah, I'm not surprised that it works for you. Master of the board. Cool. Master well, congratulations. I'm happy for Thanks, you. Gary. You must be very happy. LAPD. All right. Los Angeles Police Department. I'm ready. I'm ready for more. Episode three. Okay. Of four. Now, LAPD month is halfway. It's over the halfway mark now. Yeah, this is three, right? Oh, three yeah, of four. Three of right. four. Yeah. You know how numbers work, correct? Dude, come on. I was trying to help you. I thought you made a mistake. Um, that's weird. What? No, they, mistakes. Dude. August. <laughs> In August 1966. Okay. Charles Joseph Whitman climbed a tower on the campus of the University of of Texas at Austin and shot 47 people, killing 15. Right. The incident took place during a 90-minute span, and police officers were not equipped to handle the situation. Local Texans came to the aid of the police, and they shot at the sniper with their own guns, giving cops cover to eventually climb the tower and reach Whitman's position and kill him. Just how you drew it up in the uh, squad room. <laughs> So you wanted it to work. And then we'll get Larry over there. And, and then we'll uh, be overwhelmed by the situation and strangers will come and help. And then we'll sneak in. All right. That's all right, lunch. Boys, there we go. That's lunch, guys. You think people can hear the dog? Is oh. that a dog upstairs or down? Is, is that a downstairs No, I think, dog? He's, I think he's outside. He's I, I, my guess is uh, he might be downstairs. He sounds like a German shepherd. He's a big dog. Yeah. Uh, so there might be a dog in the background. And uh, you're welcome. Now there's people yelling. I don't think you can hear them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> after that, the Los Angeles Police Department struggled to deal with rioters during the 1966 Watts riots. Oh, boy. Officers found that traditional police and riot control tactics were ineffective against the chaotic nature of the mob. Right? Yeah. I, don't, I read that, and I was like... It, so it reminds me of the end of... Um, of uh, Animal House when all is well and the guy like blowing his whistle yeah, yeah. and everyone's just running around. Yeah. That's how I imagine the police. Yeah. <laughs> just not being able to handle that situation at all. It's great too because you'd think that they would at this point be a little bit better at it but clearly. Nope. They still had no idea. Still like shit. They knew, they knew something had to change but they weren't sure what it was. Okay. A month after the Watts riots Officer Ron Mueller of the LAPD was sent to a house on Surrey Street to answer a disturbance call. Okay. A man inside, Jack Ray Hoxie, opened the door nice and, name. Sh and shot Mueller with a high-powered rifle. Not, not a nice guy. Mueller crawled away, badly wounded. Another officer pulled up in his car, and he was immediately shot. Okay, so don't officers don't go there anymore. Right. No, 
Nope. Opposite. Uh, Sorry. All and all units respond call went out. Every cop in the area speeded to the house. By the time Inspector Daryl Gates arrived, there were fifty cops there, and it was total chaos. Okay. <laughs> Hoxie was very well armed, and he was going from window to window shooting at the police. Jesus. The cops were responding with hails of inar- inaccurate shots. Good. Because they're all using their pistols and shotguns. Yeah. Like, they have nothing. Are you are you four feet close? Are you close? <laughs> Show yourself. Wear something reflective. When a third officer was shot, Gates believed it came from another cop. So they're just completely... They're, if they're surrounding the Wait, house... So, so- if they're surrounding the house and shooting right. at it, Some you could bullets. just shoot through the house and shoot another cop, or yeah. just totally miss and shoot another guy in the car. As the guy, as the one guy in a house with a bunch of artillery, you are like, this is going pretty fucking well. <laughs> they are shooting each other, which I was not sure was going to happen. It's, but it's great. It's for me. It's I'm going not going <laughs> to beyond my wildest dreams at this point. I know this doesn't end well, but I will say it's going pretty good. By the time tear gas was fired, there were so many holes. Okay, wait. When the third officer, blah, 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 uh, the police were firing slugs from shotguns that were so heavy they were smashing through wooden walls of the house and then through the roof of the house. Okay. So by the time the tear gas is fired. <laughs> so by the time the tear gas is fired. <laughs> there were so many holes. It's just like a cartoon cowboy who got shot right. a bunch and drinks water. The tear gas was completely ineffective because all the tear gas just went out of the house. God, this guy really must just be sitting it's there like, like, all right, yes, yes. It's like he's in a cartoon. They're tear gassing other cops. <laughs> That's what they Stop felt. it, it's all blowing out. You're making you're making some of us emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way is something I wish can't that came attached to tear gas. Oh yeah, emotional? That it was like it was a weepy thing. Well they tried they have tried to make bombs like that that make people emotional. Really? Yeah, yeah. There, you know there was a gay bomb, right? We'll do a small okay. bomb. Yeah. I mean okay. you can't just tell me you can't just say, you know there was a gay bomb, right? No, I don't know that there was a gay bomb. Well, I thought that. the gay bomb was when Ricky Martin said he was a homosexual. What? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, we got to shut down. Oh, boy. Finally, one cop dressed in low-grade basic body armor had had enough. He smashed through the house and shot Hoxie. <coughs> now, that's all it said it, in everything I read about this incident was that he smashed through the house. It d- never did it say the door. So the house could have been such Swiss cheese that this guy just ran through a wall and shot the guy. Big fan. <laughs> Big fan of Kool-Aiding the house. Right? Yeah. It's a total Kool-Aid it's the cool. That's how you do it. He you Kool-Aid the big, shit out of it. He was in a big picture. Yeah. Big, <laughs> a big purple picture. When you say body army, you mean he was in a big picture that made it look like picture. he was... And he ran in and smashed through the wall, <laughs> yelled Kool-Aid and shot the Kool-Aid! The guy's like, I love Kool-Aid! <laughs> um, after the incident... Daryl Gates decided the LAPD was going to have to figure out a way to deal with snipers and barricaded criminals besides riddling houses with bullets. Oh, boy. Because it was becoming, you know, Texas. It was happening. It was starting, this shit yeah. was starting to happen. The days of the cartoon assault was ending. Okay. No more shooting up houses in a Swiss cheese. All right. We're, sh- we're shifting tactics. Gates decided the LAPD had to come up with some better way to respond, and he sat down with other officers to look at counterinsurgency warfare training and uh, tactics. boy. Jesus like those Christ. those being developed in Vietnam. Oh, my God. Right? Not good. Are you, are no, you in? No, I'm not in? in. No, I'm not in. <laughs> no. Do we have to yell Charlie first? What do we do? <laughs> so, what, so when you make the earlobe necklace, I have a couple questions about, yeah, lobe, no. about lobe jewelry. Yeah, uh-huh. You, I, the best... The best Lobe jewelry we have found 
uh, is it, South Central. There's some pretty good lobes. Okay. Uh, Boyle Heights. You get some right. nice lobes. No, I have a couple of those lobes. Yeah, yeah. And then Echo Park it makes some terrific Great lobes. lobes there. Actually, those lobes are really hot right now. Yeah, it's super lobe. <laughs> In 1965, Officer John Nelson came up with the idea to form a special, specially trained and equipped unit to respond to and manage critical situations while minimizing police casualties. Inspector Gates approved the idea. It was called SWAT. Oh, Jesus Christ. SWAT was originally a term created by the Philadelphia Police Department as an acronym for their Special Weapons and Tactics Squad in 1964. Okay. Gates took SWAT, but he wanted it to stand for Special Weapons Attack Team. Eee. A deputy on his force said, you can't use attack because yeah. we're the cops. Right. <laughs> Might give the wrong message. The whole attack thing is not what we're it's supposed to do. It's aggressive. And so Gates is like, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so we'll use the other one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> special Weapons. I don't even know what they end up calling it. How do I not know what SWAT is? I didn't put that in here. Special, wait. Special weapons. Add a boy team. Hey, team. <laughs> I don't have internet either. Special weapons. Add um, team. I, I never put it in here. I just I just assumed that I would remember it, but everybody knows my memory is like a. Your, your memory is a lot like that guy's house after the assault. I'm pretty close to Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for the Reagan years of the dog. Okay, so they went with it. It's just special weapons and tactics. Okay. So it's just they kept the same Philadelphia right. thing. Inspector Gates formed a small select group of volunteer officers. His first SWAT team was born LAPD SWAT, D platoon of the Metro Division. Okay. Huh? You down with that? No, I'm not down with any of this. That's Wilshire. Yeah. This SWAT so- unit was initially 15 teams of four men each for a total staff of 60. Gates and others in the LA- LAPD studied guerrilla warfare tactics wow. of the military. SWAT officers were given special status and benefits, but in return, they had to attend monthly meetings. Okay. But so that's... Uh, yeah. It's not... No, it's not good. Don't don't nod at me like good. we're homies. It's all good. We're it's working, not all good. We're working shit out. No, no. It's... No, the second that you're going to... When you, I mean, it's just not surprising that recently we saw our police force militarized based on... Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, you do. We talked about Ferguson. We did a whole fucking thing on it. The officers trained with the Marine Corps at Camp Pendleton and other military experts was brought in to teach SWAT how to deal with sniper fire. Which, just watch TV. I, what do you mean how to deal with sniper fire? You you just get in another position and you shoot the sniper. You sniper. You bring you a sniper fucking sniper. To the, yeah, you sniper back. You exactly. Re, you re-sniper the sniper. Yes, you sniper back at the sniper. There's not a lot of hide, don't get shot, don't run out in the circle. Look, so what? It's a waiting game. It is wait a, a little. Game. Wait a little time. Crawl into crawl into place. Yeah, I mean that's how they that's how they Pl- shot Planet Earth. Make a perimeter. Wait, yeah. What? That's how they shot Planet Earth. Sometimes you'd have to hunker down for three months to get the right shot. You know. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm doing a dollop about it <laughs> right now inside your dollop. <laughs> they also bought heavy weapons. One of the things the LAPD considered buying was a 20 ton armor personnel carrier that could be equipped with a 30 cal machine gun tear gas and grenade launchers but unfortunately the lapd couldn't afford the thirty five thousand dollar price tag <laughs> it's i'm glad the reasoning is that it was too pricey instead of the fact there's no moral it's completely comfort. insane yeah no no hey you know what? we had this house hey maybe next hear year me hear me out there's a guy in a house and he, uh-huh. and he killed a, he shot a couple cops and then we were all trying to get him yeah i was thinking it'd be better if we had grenade launchers well no and just a big machine gun that can cut out, cut like a roof off a house. No, 
No to those. Okay, so we're getting that. We're not getting that. Okay, that's in. Nope. The order's in. Feels like you're not listening. The first SWAT Shut that cops, door. Hear about this. The first SWAT cops were treated poorly by regular LAPD officers. Ah. Uh. Here's a quote from Gates. For a long time, they were treated as persona non grata within the department. That SWAT operates like a quasi-militaristic operation offended some of the brass. I tried to explain the difference. Whereas the military will go in with bazookas and blow the place apart, SWAT's main objective is to always get everyone safely out. If anyone gets injured or killed, the operation is a failure. I pointed that out to no avail. Banished from everyday police circles, we kept our training secret. Whoa. That's crazy. But Okay, so this goes to your point. The cops back then knew there was something wrong with SWAT. Yeah. And eventually, over time, it became ingrained within yeah. the police thinking, and then they acquiesced and allowed it to become part of the thing. Well, but originally, the cops were against it because they knew it was fucked up. And now, arguably, uh, my guess is that cops want to be SWAT. All want to be yeah, SWAT. Like that you're they like, want to the, kick you pine for that position. Yeah. yeah. I love that no one would talk to him. Oh, uh, you fucking SWATty. Hey, sw- okay, hold my towel, SWAT. Here comes SWAT. Yeah. How you doing? Get over here. I'm going to put your head in the toilet. My name's Michael. Okay, SWAT. God damn it. What are you going to do? Are you going to do blow my door off? No. You you big tough guy with your tank or whatever? <laughs> we don't have a tank. We can yeah, afford it. Yeah. We do it the old-fashioned way. Yeah, I know. We, we worked up, together we for two years. black people. Yeah, I'm aware of what on you... On the streets. I know that you're like, a respect... what you're supposed to do when you're a cop. Back in my day, we just had to beat up black people. We would just go out and say, where are the browns? Yeah. <laughs> and now you're kicking in doors and blowing things up. It's a little too... everything. It's a little too technological. <laughs> okay. So it sounds great, right? Yeah, so sounds far, it sounds good. great. The, the other cops hate you, and you're training secretly. It yes. all sounds yep. perfect. Yes, nice. Now, shit with the Black Panthers was on at this point. Boy, I'm not going to lie. I'm a, a fan of our new plot that's just entered. The Black Panther Party, or the BPP, originally known as the Black Party Panther for Self-Defense, was a revolutionary black nationalist and socialist organization active in the U.S. from 1966 until 1982. Initially... The Black Panther Party used armed citizen patrols to monitor the behavior of police officers and challenge police brutality. Wow. Okay, why'd you go away? Yeah, I no, mean, seriously. seriously. How yeah. is this not coming back right I now? I know, yeah. If, someone, if, if they don't think this isn't being talked about, they're fucking crazy. Yeah. I would not be surprised if we see Black Panthers come back. I'm into it. And I love cats of all kinds. Oh, love them. Especially, yeah. I, love, I like an all I've always cat. enjoyed petting panthers. When you right. get a panther purring, oh my there's god. nothing like that. Oh my god, nothing like so it. loud, so pretty, <laughs> so. And then they eat your hand, and then yeah, and then they just eat your closest baby. In 1969, community social programs became became a main activity of party members. The Black Panther Party instituted a variety of community social programs, most extensively the Free Breakfast for Children's programs, <laughs> savages. And health so now they started. Now they start upping their game a little bit. Now the whole now everyone's getting. It's not just about walking around with guns. Now it's like, yep. you know, it's outreach. Up. So now, yep. yeah, this is when people get really upset when you start start doing it. Well, yeah, you can't be giving free free meals. Free. We've learned that we've learned that very recently with our boy Clifford. <laughs> <laughs> the FBI director J. Edgar Hoover called the party the greatest threat to the internal security of the country. Right, while he wore a dress. Right. <laughs> so. 
and fu- he, he used to fuck his assistant, right? Was that his deal? I don't or was know. Was he just a crossdresser? I thought he was a cr- just a crossdresser, but who knows? Regardless, it's hard to it, tell. yeah. Regardless, I mean, it's just great that at the end of the day, you, the guy who's legislating a lot of what is and what isn't acceptable was secretly putting on women's clothing yeah, behind closed doors in his office. Well, he was he was righteous. Yep. Uh, Hoover supervised an extensive program of surveillance, infiltration, perjury, police harassment, and many other tactics designed to undermine Panther leadership. Wait, he he came he, he used those charges against he, the he Black Panthers. That was that was the program, the FBI program. Right. Was to use surveillance, infiltration, perjury, police perjury. harassment, and other tactics to undermine Panther leadership. Cool, nice guy. Incriminate party members. Uh-huh. Discredit and criminalize the party and drain the organization of resources and manpower. Yeah. The program is also accused of being of uh, using assassination against Black Panther members. Oh, good. It's interesting. We're prong great. in the strategy. We're a great country. Yeah, great country full of good people <laughs> who really are looking for resolution, not just the quickest answer. On December 4th, 1969, Fred Hampton of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panthers was asleep in a Chicago home when... He, he was shot and killed at point blank range during a gun raid by the Chicago Police Department. Who kills someone? Like a gun raid where you shoot a person sleeping feels like point blank. Point blank feels like we're a little off topic of what the gun raid was about. <laughs> I don't know. Like we're there to prevent gun violence. They're like, oh. All right, get him while he's sleeping. This program is called Kill the Black People. It's a good one too. And it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, I believe Even that program we've is still kept going. The same program. Yeah. In L.A., the Black Panthers were preparing for an inevitable confrontation with the LAPD. Although they hadn't prepared for a well-organized and highly equipped SWAT unit. On December 6th, two patrol officers claimed to have seen Panther members, Red, Paul Red, Duck Smith, and Geronimo Platt. Wow. By the way, the evolution of those names was just juicier and juicier. Okay, let's just stop right here and say the Black Panthers had the best nicknames of any... Any group going. That's great. Any socialist, militaristic group yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Duck. That, that's part of the cops tactic, too. He's like, we've got to put out the nicknames. Fucking nicknames. God damn it. The Duck. Uh, so they they were, they claimed that they saw them in possession of illegal firearms. Right. Oh, I'm sure that, I'm sure. sure, I'm sure they did. They just, what, they just drove by and they, they saw drove them by and they were just, they were just out there with their, you know how whenever you turn your back, black people are exchanging money for guns everywhere. Every they time. just happen to drive by one of these normal situations. Yeah. I saw it over there. Yep. No more questions. Uh, let's go get them boys. That pen won't be necessary. Hey, Sergeant uh, Smith, what'd you see? They had guns sticking out of the th- stuff. Let's move. Search warrants were uh, for illegal weapons were issued and served two hours before sunrise on Monday, December 8th. Okay. 9th, sorry. December 9th. Big day rise. LAPD responds by planning a massive three-location raid involving more than 350 officers. So a very <laughs> normal mean, reaction. Like a third of the police force. A That's third of the like, police force. It's because insane. they saw two guys with guns. <laughs> So now there have to be 350 cops. SWAT was going to lead the raid. The operation, surprisingly, quickly turned into the not saving lives failure type of thing that Gates was talking about. Oh, okay. Because remember how he was saying we want to do this without saving? Yes. Apparently that is not how this went. Well, I mean, what's important is we now have the SWAT team. The Black Panthers responded to police at the door with gunfire and by tossing grenades. Jesus. Right? Tossing grenades? That was their response to a knock. 
Grenades. Grenades. They were in throwing that grenades. Fucking... You can see the building. It's just this little two-story building with like two windows. It's like one of those deals. And just, <laughs> just, just even grenades through lobbing it. Explosives. Jesus Christ. <laughs> SWAT and every cop around responded by shooting hundreds of rounds into the fortified building. So they've fortified the building. So you can't shoot into it. It's just okay. probably cinder blocks and cinder blocks. Overall, both sides shot over 5,000 rounds of ammunition <laughs> as, the, as the hours passed. This thing lasted four hours. SWAT realized they couldn't shoot the guys in the building. Okay. At that point, Gates petitioned the Marines for a grenade launcher. What, what throwing's too hard? Well, well they didn't, they didn't, they weren't, cops weren't allowed to have grenades then. <laughs> you couldn't just have grenades as a cop. You right. could have certain weapons. <laughs> But it also undermines his whole point that they're going to try. The reason yeah. SWAT exists was to not kill people. Well, we all know how precise grenades are. So it goes on for like an hour, and he goes, "Let's get the grenades and blow the fuck out of them." I thought you guys were to. I thought the whole thing was to not kill people. Get the grenades. <laughs> yeah. So back then, before they could use a grenade launcher, they had to get federal approval. So the mayor called the Defense Department in Washington. Wait, this like, is mid like battle. Mid battle, in the middle of the battle. So he, on the fucking bat line. Right. So the, he's treating it like you're watching a sporting event and someone forgot yeah. breadsticks when you ordered a pizza. So totally. he's just kind of just like, hey, hurry up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Normal. Yeah, we got a new order. Yeah. Uh, so he called him up and he's like, hey, we have some black people we want to blow up. You had me at black people. <laughs> Let's dance. What do you need? That's exactly what happened. Go for it. Yep. I think they stamped it cool. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> hey, where's my cool stamp? Cool. Cool. Uh, so they got the grenade launcher down there and it was waiting in a car it was they were getting ready to use it when the Black Panthers surrendered okay oh my god talk about the blue balls the cops had right oh yeah oh they were probably just jerking off around that fucking are you sure you don't want to shoot a little longer at us (laughs) we we were kind of just starting to get into it we were just gonna go over this car here and get this little tube (laughs) thing to shoot tube grenades at you there were only 11 Panthers against hundreds of cops. Plus, Butch Cassidy and the Sentence Kid had just come out in October mm-hmm. of 69. Okay. So they'd seen the ending to that. Oh, right. So that was like, this yeah. is not yeah. good. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, only three Panthers and three LADPD cops were injured, making SWAT's first operation a huge success. In the So everything he said is true. Yeah. They, but it's because they didn't get to use their grenade launcher. Yeah, right. And they wanted to. They were dying I guess to. Yes, they did. Yeah, I mean, so seventy a cop in fucking sixty nine being able to shoot a grenade uh, launcher into a house full of blacks. Come oh on, God, it's like Jesus a dream. Christ. It's like a Norman Rockwell painting. <laughs> perfect. The next big SWAT event happened on May seventeenth. Next big SWAT event, nineteen seventy four. So five years later, okay, the LAPD discovered that the Symbionese Liberation Army, a left-wing, completely batshit crazy group who had kidnapped Patty Hearst and robbed banks, was holed up in an L.A. house. Okay. So the SLA originally was fighting for racial equality, but they were almost entirely white guys. Okay. The ladies. There were a lot of ladies in it. Yeah. But so then, so they were in... In SF, and the heat was on them because they had robbed these banks and they kidnapped Patty Hearst. Yeah. So a bunch of them went down to L.A. and moved into a black neighborhood. And then the black people were walking up to cops and going, "There's the crazy white people are here. 
because they didn't want the crazy white yeah, people in the neighborhood. Right. So they were going up to the cops and being like, the, cra- the crazy white people with the guns are in the yellow. Officer? And there's something I never thought I'd say. The, yeah. The, the crazy white people. Yeah, there's crazy white folks. And they were like, oh. So over 400 police. Feels like I should beat you, but you're not <laughs> saying anything. You give me information that's helpful. So. But I want to punch you. I'm so used to just throwing you on the ground with violence. Oh, man. But uh, there's nothing in the manual about probably this. Probably just going to walk away. I don't know what's happening. All right, one punch. One punch. <laughs> Over 400 police surrounded the house on East 54th Street in Los Angeles. So fucking many. SWAT fired tear gas into the house. SLA SLA members shot back with automatic weapons. The gunfight raged on for two hours when police shot more tear gas canisters and the house caught on fire. Okay. So that's never good. No, the house on fire is not good. When your house is on fire, it's... You're not. You're nearing the end of your thing. Well, yeah, you're not. Again, you're not real. There's not much t- like tactical. There's not much tactical thinking going into a burning house. No, there's like if you're at a burning house and it's on fire, you're like, I'm gonna die. Okay, it's too hot to touch. So, Think I'll go outside. And then a couple of them ran out. And immediately got shot. Yeah, because oh, the cops good. were like, Cool. Who you shot at us before? <laughs> so you know how we're supposed to be just total equals. Six LA member. Six SLA members died. No police were killed. Over 9,000 rounds of ammunition were fired between LAPD and SLA. What? That is so insane. That's crazy. All at one fucking house. That's crazy. I mean, and that's insane. Yeah. After the SLA shootout, SWAT teams were issued body armor and automatic weapons. The modern day SWAT, we know it as we know it was born. Ugh. Now, on September 20th, 1970, four years before the SLA shootout, a boy was born in Los Angeles. Who was he now? His name was Larry Warfel Jr. Warfel? Warfel. W-A-R-F-E-L. All right. Jr. His father was Larry Warfel Sr., and his mother was Barbara Allen. Okay. Except those actually weren't their names at all. Oh, boy. They were actually Dorothy Clay and Larry Eugene Phillips Sr., and they were on the run from the law. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, they had me fooled for 10 seconds. (laughs) Larry Sr.'s life of crime started early. When he was a year out of high school, he was arrested for pulling a prank with some friends. The prank was to dig up a grave and remove a corpse's head. And he spent a few few months in prison. (laughs) What a really funny joke. Hey, you guys, I got a great prank. I want to pull on this guy that's not alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or what? Yeah. Put the prank on. Unless you're going to do something with the head. Uh, and even then, I mean, you have to know that who you're pranking is not going to find the humor in it. <laughs> it's not hey. a sandwich at all. That's a human head. Hey, great prank. So I'm going to get a leg from a human body. <laughs> huh? Where, right. does it, where does it go from there? Well, that's it. It's gone. That's the prank. It's gone everywhere it can go. <laughs> I got a leg. I got an actual leg. They say human leg. And other people are with him like, so wait, what is this prank? Well, you got a head, right? You take it from a body, and then you're like, ah, I got a head. Right, okay. I just okay. wasn't sure if there's more to it. But no, this is the whole thing. It's not very good. It's good. It's good. Hey, okay, wait, watch me. Hey, I got a head. You know what? I'm actually starting to buy this a little bit. That is pretty fucking funny. <laughs> that head is really weird and gross. Larry Sr. spent a few months in prison. What are you in for? <laughs> I uh, cut off a dead guy's head as a joke. Okay, I'm going to go over to the other side of the yard. Cool. People say that a lot to me. 
Oh, you, you're one of them. You're one of those. Yeah, there's a whole groupie over there. Yeah. You can join that gang. Yeah. I want to be a neo-Nazi. No, no, no. You're with prank heads. Prank heads. Oh, my God. Coming come to MTV in uh, fall 2015. Prank heads. <laughs> we're shocked that we're under fire for the show, prank heads. And we promised to take a look internally until we could fix the well, tone. Well, we knew it was edgy. We just didn't think people would get so upset about the it. The problem is we don't know what edgy means. Look, so, we, thought, we thought it was fun, it was dangerous, no one was actually getting hurt. You remember how mad people were when Steve-O jumped in poo? That's, we thought it was this. <laughs> we thought this was Steve-O in poo. It was this, it's just a head. It's a guy's head. <laughs> guy's head. A fucking head. Prank heads. Hey, there's a head in my salad. Prank, Prank heads. heads. Uh, so uh, Harry Sr. was paroled, and then he immediately tried to rob a gas station. At least that's a crime. I mean, <laughs> at least he did something that it just has an upside to it. Yeah, but I kind of love that he went from, like, doing a not crime to going to jail to being like, I'm going to commit a real crime then. <laughs> well, he probably You're got to so put me in jail for carrying around a head. People in jail were probably just like, man, you didn't even really commit a crime. He was What's like, up? I did too. What's up, HP? Huh? You my HP boy? Yeah. Well, hit prick. <laughs> Stop it. Hey, HP. He robbed Stop the li- calling me HP. <laughs> he robs the liquor store with the head. He's like, give me all the money. Thwack. There you go. Uh, he spent three months in prison, and then he was sent to a mental hospital, which we don't know why. But <laughs> I he- know why. <laughs> <laughs> and then he managed to escape from the mental hospital, and he hooked up with his girlfriend, Dorothy, and they hit the road. And what's not to love about that situation? I'm sure Dorothy... Who wouldn't stick with him? Who wouldn't stand by that guy? He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He occasionally, heads. occasionally gets into head. Sure. I mean, it, you know, there's every, the whole head every thing. Every boy dabbles in heads when they're young. <laughs> We've all had our head phase. Larry Singer <laughs> then went by the name Daniel Ira Warfel. Daniel was someone he went to high school with, and he decided to use the name because Daniel was, quote, a mama's boy. <laughs> so he figured... If he just took Daniel's identity, he becomes Daniel, him. Daniel was in such. Daniel would never commit a crime, so it's not like if, if he right. took a bad guy's identity, that guy would commit a crime and he get arrested right. for that. So he's like, "Well, this guy's a pussy. He's so a warfle. He's a warfle. Classic warfle. Just total warfle." Uh, but then you would have to walk around all the day. What's your last name? Waffle. Yeah, I mean, you really could have probably just picked a random name and liked it. I don't know if you could. Instead, he sounds like a sick waffle. I don't know if you could pick a worse name. Warfle. Ugh. What's wrong with your waffle? I don't know. It's got puke on the inside. It looks kind of like a warfle. Very little is known about Larry Jr.'s uh, wife, Dorothy, except that she's known to have used the aliases Dorothy Clay, mm-hmm. Dorothy Mestis, Francis Ellen Garcia, Dorothy Stefano, Barbara Allen, and Dorothy Phillips. What a chameleon. So she was... <laughs> I'm guessing not a good lady. Yeah, no, she. So I thought of my new name. I've got seven names I use. I'm gonna go with Dorothy. Your oh, name is Dorothy. Your name is Dorothy. Yeah, but this time, I'll think of some new ones then. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I've got it. Oh yeah, Dorothy. No, I. What? Sorry, you're right. You're right. Oh, Dorothy, Dorothy. Yes, exactly. Her only occupation that was ever listed was prostitute. 
I'm not quite sure a resume. Where she listed that. I'm Has she sure. been on Monster? I'm not sure. Was she like going to Seven Eleven? I have like yeah. a job. I have for the past seven mm. years. I have been a prostitute. You can call here. my pimp, bitch slap. Here's his call. number. He's referred me. Ah, uh, you can call Frank X or Larry X or Jimmy X. <laughs> yeah. Excuse uh, yeah. me. Uh, is this uh, Jimmy X? Uh, we got a woman here, Dorothy. She says she uh, used to fuck her for money. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah, she, I used to fuck Dorothy for money. Was she good at? Was she good at her job? Yeah, she was good at fucking. What's the position she's applying for? Accountant. Yeah, I think she'd be great. <laughs> she sucks real good dick, so she'll probably be really good with numbers. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I mean, just say you've never had a job, right? I've ne- I've always been a. Well, I don't want to sound like I didn't work. <laughs> I was a whore for seven years. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the Larry Senior story. <laughs> he was walking down the street in Salt Lake City when a cop approached him and asked his name. And Larry Senior, even though he has like 30 different names, <laughs> told the cop his real name. What? I know. We've I been- know. <laughs> You've got so many names to choose from. And he picks his real one. Can you imagine his what, internal his internal voice when he said that? He's like, "Dumbass!" <laughs> and you, had to, you just how did you just say your real did fucking I, name? Seriously, just say Larry Phillips. Did I really just say that? Yeah, me. I'm Larry Phillips. Ugh. God damn it! I meant Warful. I mean, I hate waffles. Uh, so then the cop put him in the back of his police car and ran him for warrants. When the warrants came back positive. I don't know what's happening in Utah at this time. Larry bolted from the back of the police car. Okay, so there's he, that's that's what your question is. He, yeah. What yep. what about the d- locks where you can't get out of the cop car in the back? Mm. And then he just ran away. The cop didn't catch him. Well, he just the guy ran him for warrants, and then he just opened up the door and took off. Oh, there are some. I'm gonna run. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, the couple decided to move to Los Angeles. Okay, now. The reason I bring the up- whole drive, they were practicing. What are our names? Larry, Larry Warful and Dorothy Prostitute. <laughs> Dorothy and Horothy. Horothy. <laughs> now, the reason I bring up all this background about Larry Senior is because of the effect it had on Larry Junior. Larry Senior saw himself as a victim of law enforcement and considered them to be the enemy. Well, I'm sure his son didn't think anything no, different. His boy was right on board. <laughs> So this is a good time to bring a kid into the world, right? You're yes. like, you know what? I've got 19 aliases. <laughs> My wife's a prostitute. I am a petty thief. I just ran How out of a cop a car kid? in Utah. How about a kid? Let's share this experience. You know when people say, I don't want to have a kid yet until I get a little more settled? Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Settled. Well, once you have a lot going on. Everything went well for a while. Uh, but while the family was celebrating Larry Jr.'s sixth birthday... Jeez. The cops busted in the door and arrested Larry Sr. while his horrified son looked on. Mm. Happy birthday, Larry Jr. Dad's facing cake. Cops all over him. Uh, horrified son and regular whore mom. Right. That day apparently had a huge effect on Larry Jr. What do you mean? The day that his, his dad got arrested at his birthday? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, weird, right? Weird that that's a seed. The last time Larry Sr. had, had been imprisoned was seven years ago. At that time, he had a... Th- three-quarter inch scar on his right knee. Okay. This time, seven years later, he had a half-inch scar underside of his jaw, a one-inch scar underside of his left forearm, 
a two-inch scar underside of the left forearm and a one-inch stab wound scar right side of the torso below the rib cage. Wow. So in those seven years... Been a busy beat. Someone was living. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Someone was being what I like to call a dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot hey, of... Hey, boy! Hey, stop. Can you just help dad stop his bleeding? <laughs> hey, some asshole stabbed your old man. Give me the stab towel. Hand me the stab towel. Hey, Larry Jr., you got the stab kit there? I'm bleeding <laughs> Give me again. Give the stab kit, yeah. Well, no, I was just uh, I was just playing with a head. Yeah, get the stab- bullet rag, too. Yeah, you know, listen, I, I have to go. I have to stop going to the graveyard and cutting off heads. <laughs> it looks like I'm leading a double life. Uh, Larry Sr. would explain some of the advice he gave to his son later. One great tip was, quote, if you are going to do something wrong, then don't tell anyone. It's a great moral. <laughs> I mean, right it there. has it has the perfect beginning. Yeah. If you're gonna do something wrong, don't do it. Right, or, right. <laughs> if you're gonna do something talk wrong, to someone first. Talk, yeah. If you're gonna do something wrong, don't tell anybody. Don't hide it. Hide. Hide that shit. Hide Barry. You know criminaling. Yeah. <laughs> don't there tell we go. people. Yeah. Well, that's how your old man got caught a bunch uh, of times. Oh, that's the cops. I gotta go. How do you think I got caught with about that head? I walked into a bar and I was like, "Hey, I took a head." <laughs> I guess you could say I'm at the head of the line. <laughs> I'll have a beer. Who's with you? Me? All look pretty scared for somebody Why? who just killed at a comedy club. Why is you arresting me? <laughs> Uh, the marriage ended in 1980. Okay. Larry Sr. would see his boy less and less. And when he did see him, Larry Sr. tried to impart his criminal wisdom into his impressionable son, telling him tales from the wrong side of the law of exploits and experiences and of just how he could never, ever, ever trust the police. Okay. Larry, it's quit- <laughs> Might be a little damaging down the line. <laughs> Sure. Larry quit school. Larry Jr. quit school in the, in the ninth grade and married his high school sweetheart. Well, what else are you going to learn? Hey, look. Man. Now Larry Jr. had a plan. He, like his father, wanted to get rich. <laughs> oh, boy. Or die trying, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think we know which one's going to happen. Uh, and the whole quitting high school thing, I assume, was a big part of that genius plan. Yeah. Uh, in 1986, Larry Jr. and his high school sweetheart uh, moved to Los Angeles, and they decided he decided to become a bodybuilder. Okay, <laughs> okay, sure. Like most uh, get-rich-quick plans. Yeah, I mean, is that really like? <laughs> I, I could probably have helped with better plans. Hey, you want to do a pyramid screen? Scheme? No, I'm gonna start lifting weights. No, I'm gonna take the next 15 years to maybe compete over my body. Hey, I was thinking about this plan where we, uh, you know, we trick people into giving us money and we say it's part of an investment. No, 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 no What no. do you think? No, no. I think I'm going to lift weights. Let's lift weights. Okay, here's the thing. I'm going to get really, really big. Okay, I'm going to go rob a fucking bank, dumbass. Okay, I'm going to get big. Okay, bye. <laughs> Good luck to you, robbery money guy. Yeah. You're an idiot, Larry. I'll see you on the front of Muscle Magazine. You probably won't, bud. Okay. <laughs> he signed up for a five-year membership at the world famous Gold's Gym in Venice Beach. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah, no, he's the, oh yeah, he's done the hard part. <laughs> he, he filled out the application. <laughs> he figured I also love that he signed up for five years. I mean you can just sign up for a fucking month hey, to month or just a year. You gotta paint yourself into that corner if you want to be the best. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He figured that that was the gym to go to because it was famous. Right? Of course. Yep. 
We all know the best things are the ones you've heard of. Yep. This was a bit complicated because he lived in Pasadena. Oh, and, Christ. And he didn't have a car. What? <laughs> he should have become a fucking sprinter. <laughs> For people who don't know what it's we're talking It's very about, far. He couldn't live in a more opposite location in Los Angeles. A farther Honestly, away location than Pasadena. Driving it would be a pain. Oh my God, driving it right now would be two hours. A big pain It'd in the ass. It'd be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. It actually <laughs> might be time to start walking there now that I'm talking about it. it might be faster, actually. So he would take a, bu- a bus every day to the gym, and each, each way would take two hours. Oh my God. Instead of just going to a gym near him so what was it? and getting big yeah. and then going to the Venice Gold yeah, sure, yeah. gym. Yeah. <sighs> His but, wife must have loved his plan. Oh, God. She was like, this is working out. It's perfect because you're gone seven hours a day and look the same. <laughs> but as ripped as Larry Jr. became, he realized he was never going to get as big as was necessary to make a living in muscles. <laughs> oh, mm. I, I don't I don't think that's good. He let his he let his gym membership lapse. OK. Sad days. I think really, this, we're, we're hearing a dream die right now. Uh, I think we're about to see a nightmare start. But what he did do at the gym before he gave up his dream was meet a man who had changed his life. And this is the only time I'm going to say his last name because it's a fucking Romanian nightmare last name. <laughs> Emil Matasaranu. I'm just going to say that's just um, that's it. I'm not going to I'm not going to go near that one again. You know, the Romanians like to use a lot of vowels. <laughs> I believe it's vowels only. Every every Romanian name is like a vowel part. Vowels and W's, I think, so. is what's permitted. Larry Jr. had a skill that was a bit odd. He befriended, Horrible decision-making. Be, horrible decision-making. <laughs> he befriended people who were needy, people he would have an upper hand over, okay. who, he, who he could control and manipulate, cool which guy. describes Emil perfectly. Yep. Emil wasn't exactly well-liked. He was an only child of Valerie Nicolescu and Viorel Dominic Matarisenu. That's that name again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, he, uh, he was born in Romania on July 19th, 1966. Okay. In 1974, Valerie and Voriel defected while on a tour of Italy with an opera company. They were opera singers. Okay. Naturally. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> of course. Uh, and everybody loves the Romanian opera singers. Oh, it's some of the better opera. Uh, they eventually made their way to Altadena, a suburb next to Pasadena near Los Angeles. Just like Romania. Right down the street from where I live. Yep, that's right. Do you want to give your address out? Nope. Okay. Emil went to South Pasadena High School where he had close to zero friends. Ugh, poor kid. Uh, There's no mention of any involvement uh, in sporting activities, computer labs, or any social outlet within the school in his yearbook. Jesus. He was bullied in high school due due to his Romanian accent. Quit being Romanian, dumbass. (laughs) There's nothing I can do. And he had epilepsy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hey, shake your Romanian. Go fuck yourself. Hey, he's shaking. Leave him be now, guys. Oh, who has a weird accent? And yeah. Shaky shakes. Hey, oh, Jesus. Who fell down, weird Romanian guy? Uh, oh, and he was overweight. Okay, so let's just, real quick. Yep. We have a nerdy mm-hmm. Romanian mm-hmm. Uh, fat yeah. seizure child. Yeah. And What? Yeah, no, it sounds cool. Yep, it's all going to work out. Oh, you know, I feel like there's no one to relate to at high school. <laughs> I go shaky, shake now. <laughs> I go shaky, but I'm going to go to the floor to shake for a bit. When I fat, so when I shake, my tits go boom, boom. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
You, did you go to high school with him? You fuck. Hey, boy. <laughs> hey, boy. I fall down, my tits go boom, boom. Yeah, I'm man. I'm man now. I have testicles, balls. <laughs> penis. Now I'm starting, just even hearing your impression makes me not want to hang out with him and not feel as bad. <laughs> it just sounds like a wet noodle. It is a, sometimes I fall down, I go shaky, shake. And I show tits, my balls. My tits go boom, and I get up and I go, I'm man. All right, Emil, that'll be enough. I'm the principal. <laughs> He became an introvert, getting into computers <laughs> and spending all his time at home. Okay. Can you believe the yeah, I'm shocked. introvert? Yeah, no, shocking. It's just Well, amazing. I guess when you can't be an extrovert, you have to be something. <laughs> when you're not allowed to be anything. When there's no, yeah, you can't do anything. In 1982, his mom got a state care license to help. I missed. Oh, read boy. this slowly. In 1982, his mom got a state care license to take in develop me dis- developmentally disabled adults. Okay. I can't, it's so hard to read because it's so crazy. <laughs> so she started taking care of mentally disabled people. Sure. She, she, well, Emil was done. He was fixed. You could get between 1000 and 4000 a month per disabled person from oh, the boy. state. She took in six. What? The place was called Valerie's Villa. Well, I love the alliteration, but everything else sounds like a real <laughs> shit show. Then things began to fall apart in the marriage. <laughs> Why, David? I don't know. I can't think of any reason. Oh, yeah. Emil also began to have an interest in firearms. <laughs> this is just... The the details are just not <laughs> sounding good. No, we're building a beautiful, beautiful picture. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about what I'm hearing. A neighbor said he was always seen cleaning several guns. Okay, that's the craziest statement. A neighbor? Because he would often say... No, he's always seen cleaning a gun. But what he's saying is, this guy always had like a table set up. Yeah. He was clearing a, he was cleaning a bunch of guns, like in public, maybe, <laughs> outside of where Valerie takes care of the mentally disabled kids. What are you doing? I'm just watching uh, Valerie's husband clean his guns while she teaches the disabled kids inside. And because of all the tension revolving around the end of his parents' marriage and financial ruin, he got a little easy to agitate. He developed anger and attitude problems, and on one occasion, swung a chainsaw in his next-door neighbor's face because the neighbor's dog walked onto his lawn. Well, you know so, how property lines are. Right. You've got to be very I mean, very on this one, I think careful. we're all on Emil's side. Yeah. This is... but I so wait, it. Emil did the chainsaw thing? Yeah. He swung a chainsaw at a guy. He might have been having a seizure, you insensitive bastard. You... <laughs> You know how many things you can swing in someone's face that already scares them? Yeah. That's not a chainsaw? Like everything. A chainsaw swing. A hammer would freak you out if it was coming towards your face. A citation was issued to Valerie's licensed home for disabled adults for, quote, leaving firearms strewn about the house. Strewn? Strewn was the word in the LA Times. Jesus Christ. In a home full of mentally disabled people. Yeah. There's just guns everywhere. Well, yeah, but part of you has to think it'll be exciting when it goes down. <laughs> On several occasions, state licensing officials visited Valerie's villa, but were denied entry to the home. In September 1995, community care licensing inspectors were turned away twice. On one visit, Valerie told inspectors she would not meet with them and drove off in a van. No. But then, but she has these disabled kids there. I go now. 
<laughs> well, I'm sure there was someone else watching him when she. Oh, I'm sure there were. But yeah, the guns will keep an eye on him. They chain. They got chain. <laughs> Don't worry. They're fine. Leave no, us alone. They, they chain. They chain. They chain to wall. They're good. They health. They in cages. Uh, They're happy. They have guns. They have guns. They I have cage. to go. I really am late. On another visit, a man claiming to be Valerie's attorney told inspectors to leave the site and said he would get a gun from his car if they did not do so. Good, good, good attorney. That's how the law works. That's a good attorney right there. That's the best attorney ever. Well, I don't have the legal argument, but I do have a loaded handgun in my car. <laughs> the exact case escapes me. Let me just go get my twenty-two. Hold on. I'm gonna th- I'm, I think I'm going to shoot you. Hold on. I'm just going to kill you guys instead. <laughs> Can I see your paperwork or... No, I'm just going to shoot you. That looks pretty legit. I guess I'm going to have to kill you guys. Uh, Valerie's mental problems continued and uh, it led to a series of arrest for, arrests for his parents. Financial ruin followed for the family after Valerie's license was suspended. So she can no longer take care of the... Right. She no longer had that sweet cash... That sweet little side job uh, that was a 24-hour-a-day mm, pseudo-nightmare. No. Meanwhile, Emil and Larry Jr. were becoming good friends after meeting at Gold's Gym. Larry Jr. began studying real estate, determined to make his break into the current boom market, which was also known by another name, the savings and loan scandal. Because uh-huh. every 10 or 15 years, America likes to have a self-made housing crisis in which the government has to pay billions to bail out white-collar criminals. So he wanted to get in on that. I'm excited actually. for the next one. Right? That's going to be fun. Anyway, on November 3rd, 1990, he was issued his salesperson's license, but he had to pass an, an exam by May 3rd, 1992, and pass background checks. That last part might be an issue. Yep. On January 30th, 1991... Larry's license was suspended indefinitely. The California Department of Real Estate processed his background check. His fingerprints revealed an undisclosed arrest. Turns out that in 1989 at a Sears store in Alhambra, Larry Senior or sorry, Larry Junior had shoplifted four hundred dollars worth of suits. <laughs> so I mean I just want to point out that first of all, four hundred dollars in suits, so it's plural. Yeah. Oh, so suits. Suits. That's what's for amazing. Four hundred dollars. He and like, he got caught. Oh, how was the guy like? Hey, you didn't walk in with eight suits <laughs> that are fifty dollars each. Yeah, in Sears. <laughs> it's not like he's getting two two hundred dollars suits. Who steals from Sears? See, the whole the thing. worst just, suit. It's just he's the Larry <laughs> Junior is just the master criminal of all time. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. I took a head once. Yeah. <laughs> Larry went ape shit. He felt that these people had taken away his livelihood, somehow deprived him, persecuted him, and he swore to get even. Just like his dad now. So now he's exactly like his it dad. must be great when you're on the phone like, okay, well, to all that, I just got to say again, you're, you're, it's suspended indefinitely. He's like, <laughs> I will find you and I'll kill everyone. He's like, all right, well, I just, yeah, don't sell, don't sell property. Okay, well, my dad took heads. Okay, heads! I, I, I'm hanging up. <laughs> At this point, Larry was still living with his high school sweetheart. Her, Santos is her name, in a house near Pasadena, and they had a baby. Because, like his dad... You want to pass, you want to to pass this gene down. It's just a great time to bring a kid in. You want to pass this down. Money came in, but she had no idea where he was getting it. When she asked about it, he said, don't worry, mind the baby. That's good. It's a good sign. Good marriage. So, okay, so Larry then used his real estate knowledge. He set up a phony shell company and sold fake second mortgages to real estate brokers. Sold fake second... Okay, right. Okay. It went south when he took a real estate agent named Larry Newfield for $23,000. But then Larry Jr. got greedy 
and he had an accomplice, Dennis Hicks, called to get even more. And this time they were going for sixty-five thousand. So he's at he so he's calling up and saying, "I have a sixty-five thousand dollars second mortgage uh-huh. I can buy." <clears throat> but Newfield became suspicious when Hicks started demanding that the deal be done really quickly. Strange, right? <laughs> so Newfield drove to the house in question and spoke to the owner, and the scam was uncovered. Okay. Newfield then called Hicks, but Larry Jr. answered the phone because Hicks and Larry Jr. were the same person. Oh, Jesus. In his wisdom, Larry hadn't thought to use a different phone number or get a different messenger service or whatever. He's a werewolf. When he created an alias. <laughs> the alias game in this family is not strong. Okay, so my name's Daryl now. It's the, the same number, though. The, voice, the, the, the voicemail or the answering machine. You've reached hey, Larry and or Hicks. Larry, you've reached Larry Jr. Larry Wolf Jr. and Dar- Dennis Hicks and Steve Gibbons. And, all right. Leave a me- If you're calling about the 65000 leave a message for Dennis. If you're calling about the $484, leave a message for Larry. Beep. <laughs> Uh, Newfield and Larry Jr. argued. Larry Jr. <laughs> tried to convince Newfield. God damn it. Oh, boy. This is so hard to read. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a $65,000 mortgage. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Give Larry me Jr. tried to convince Newfield that the owner wanted a second mortgage to pay for a lawnmower. <laughs> Golden lawnmower. Oh, he's the worst criminal of all time. <laughs> a lawnmower. <laughs> it's a Bentley. A golden lawnmower. <laughs> it's a. You understand, man? He wants a lawnmower. Dude, don't ask me. He, <laughs> he just told me he wants to spend sixty-five thousand dollars on cutting his grass. What's the thing called? The hockey rink. The the Zamboni. Yeah, it's like it's one of those, <laughs> no, but it's, it's for not. a lawn. It's a lawn Zamboni. <laughs> it's a lawn bony. <laughs> Oh, God. So, let me ask you this. What was his reaction? What's <laughs> so weird? Newfield didn't believe that what? story. Why? He didn't buy it. As good as that story was, oh, coming you... from an amazing con man uh, like Larry Jr., he didn't believe it. He needs a, He needs to do it. <laughs> he wants to get a lawnmower, pal. I'm not lying. And with Newfield, uh, Newfield also already talked to the guy. Yeah, so, the yeah. The whole thing was... <laughs> Over. We, you talked to him, but did he mention this lawnmower? Did he didn't say anything about that? Because it's all he says to me. He said Zamboni. You didn't say Zamboni? <laughs> no more questions. Newfield demanded his 23000 back, at which point Larry Jr. threatened him. Quote, listen, the people I work for are animals. They are going to hurt you bad. Jesus. Newfield hung up and called the police. <laughs> What a, I mean, really could have gone better. It could have gone better. A warrant was issued for Larry Jr., but he was not caught. He was not caught. What? And he set up a new shell company and began the scam all over again. But this time his luck ran out and he was caught by the police. At the time, he had a loaded nine millimeter Browning high power pistol. Larry Jr. claimed it was for protection because he worked in a cash business. Okay, so. See his deal. His, his lie's getting a little better, though. Here, see, officer, here's the deal. I steal from people, so I need a gun for protection. So, so you the, get it? So the gun is okay because 
Okay, so hold on. So the stealing part is bad, but because I work in a cash business, which is stealing, I need a gun. Capiche? Officer, this whole thing is really about a lawnmower. <laughs> okay. Larry Jr. also had in his possession a book called Master Manipulator by Horner Brickley. You know you're going to become a master manipulator when you're buying a book on manipulating. Look, that's how you get there. Actually, that's a great book to write. Master Manipulator, yeah. and you buy it, you are the master manipulator. <laughs> it is the true story of Ted Wolfram, a partner in a brokerage firm in, uh, I think, Toledo, who stole $47 million over a 10-year period and lived the life um, of the jet set. So this mm-hmm. guy's, for 10 years, stealing from yep. the company and just living like a like a king. The book sold over... Th- 3,800 copies in a year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Ted Wolfram spent 10 years in federal prison for stealing from investors. Larry Jr. wanted the same lifestyle. Cool. Do you see any problem with that? Yes. The prison thing? Yeah. Okay. That it ends poorly. Larry Jr. somehow beat the rap on the scam. No one knows how. Rumor is that he turned in accomplices who all fled to Canada. Or maybe the prosecutor didn't believe there was enough evidence to convict, but either way, he was free and all was well. His wife saw things differently. With the arrests and the money coming from nowhere, his wife decided enough was enough and took their son and moved to Denver. Okay. At this point, Emil and Larry Jr. began hanging out a lot. Oh, boy. Now, Emil was recently married. He had met a woman while visiting his grandmother in Romania. They'd quickly cranked out a son that Emil adored. Then Emil was struck by one of the patients at Valerie's facility. Oh, Jesus. He suffered a blood clot in his head from which he would have headaches for the rest of his life. He underwent surgery but began having more seizures. Then his wife and son left him. Oh, my God. But I'm guessing the seizures weren't the reason that they left. I'm guessing him being a fucking moron. Yeah. And a crazy guy who put chainsaws in people's face. I'm guessing yeah. that was... Sure. She, I'm guessing she wanted to get the fuck out of Romania. A few things. And she married an American nationalized guy. And then she, after three years, she was like, oh, God, can we go? All you do is shake and make bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not, they're not tits. They. I didn't say your tits. Okay, but they're breath. Oh, Jesus Christ. My <laughs> breath, my oh, breath. they're shaking again. My breath go boom, They're shaking boom, again. Boom, 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 boom. Now, Emil and Larry Jr. were two guys who wanted to get rich quick. Okay. Had lost their families and who were into the gym. All three. <laughs> hey, man. Three, some cool dudes. <laughs> three very bad things. Some cool dudes. They hit the road together and started to travel around. They decided to make some money. <laughs> First, in Littleton, Colorado, they robbed an armored car on July 20th, 1993. Okay. No one was hurt. So the get rich so plan is on fire. It's yeah. on fire. On October 23, 23rd, 1993, in Glendale, California, Larry Jr. and Emil, driving in a brand new red Ford Thunderbird that they had rented from an airport, sped away from a gas station at high speed. They were pursued and stopped by Sergeant Ian Grimes. <clears throat> Grimes asked Larry Jr. for his driver's license. Larry Jr. said he'd accidentally left it at home. Sure. Emil said the car was his mother's. But Grimes knew the car was a rental because of the rental stickers and the registration and the key chain, and he had seen them leaving a rental car parking lot. So. I, never thought, I never thought I would say this, but Emil should leave the lying to Larry. <laughs> Emil's somehow worse. Where'd you guys get the car? It's my mother's. Her name is rental. She her name budget. Her name budget rental car. She mama's budget. My oh, name I, is, I shake. I shake. I shake. Uh, my titties go bum bum. 
uh, Officer Grimes ordered them out of the car. He then noticed they were both armed with 9mm Glock 17 pistols, Okay, which he took from them. Yep. A search was then made of the Thunderbird. The following was found. A Polytech semi-automatic rifle with a folding stick. A Norinco MAK-90 semi-automatic rifle with a wooden stock. A Springfield Armory 45 pistol. A Colt 45 pistol. 1,649 rounds of 7.62 by 39 millimeter ammunition. Most of them loaded into 30-round magazines. Three Chinese-made 75-round drum magazines loaded with 7.62 and 39-millimeter ammo, 367 Jesus. rounds of 9-millimeter JHP ammo, 357 rounds of 45 JHP ammo, six smoke bombs, two improvised explosive devices, a gas mask, two sets of National Armor Level 2 A vests, two 200-channel portable programmable scanners with earpieces, sunglasses, gloves, wigs, ski masks, and a stopwatch, <laughs> two spray cans of gray studio... Hair color, three different California automobile license plates, and one thousand six hundred twenty dollars in cash. Don't speed. You guys going to the beach? Yeah. So, so, um, you guys are murder clowns. Oh, uh, we go camping. Yeah. <laughs> murder wow. clowns. Also, love, love the idea that there's one gas mask. What? <laughs> Somehow, Larry convinced Emil he didn't need that. What do you what do you guys work in a salon? The, I see the hair stuff in here. You guys salon guys. So you guys are cr- graffiti makeover people <laughs> who have. A I don't see anything for wrong a- here, gentlemen. Just don't speed anymore, capiche? Well, this all looks in order. Sorry for the delay, gentlemen. Pardon me, Larry. We finally have a guy named Larry. That's my name. Uh, so the two were arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit robbery, grand theft auto, unlawful weapons activity, carrying and concealing a loaded firearm, and perjury. <sighs> In December, Larry Jr. That list is amazing. It's fucking remarkable. In December, Larry Jr. and Emil were sentenced to 99 days and 71 days in prison, respectively, plus 36 days of probation for each. Okay. Not a lot they of had time. All, no, not a lot of time. Yeah. With everything they had, they, yeah. were, they were going to. They were like, "Hey, guys, who are about to commit the worst crime ever? Yeah. Uh, here's ninety. Here's a little slappy slap on the yeah. wrist. Like, <laughs> that's literally a slap on the wrist. Yeah. They they were going to do something horrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice. It's nice of law enforcement to be like, "Hey, that tragedy is going to have to wait three months." That's right. Boom. Justice served, boys. <laughs> all right. Justice lessons were learned. There correct? we go. Lives change. You guys get rehabbed. All right. You get your 99 days of rehab. Anyway, as you're checking out, we'll now give you your things back. Some wigs, some graffiti, a Hold gas on. mask. Hold on. What did I give you? 99 days? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you 71. Perfect. Good stuff, Your Honor. <laughs> oh, God. They were released after their time served. <laughs> after their summer break. Right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, they just, they, just a little time to lift weights. Yeah, just some wait time. Uh, July 14th, 1995 in Los Angeles. They robbed a Brinks armored car. They used automatic weapons and shot the armored car's rear door open. 51-year-old security guard Herman Dwight Cook was killed. Another guard was shot in the neck, jaw, and chest, but survived. Jesus. On March 27th, 1996, another Brinks armored car was shot at on a street by the two would-be robbers. They hate Brinks. The armed car sped off and got away from the criminals. May 2nd, same year. Possibly because of the failed armored car attempt, the two made their first bank robbery. They stormed into a Bank of America in Van Nuys sometime before 10 a.m. armed with automatic rifles. 
weapons. Uh, eight, made, eight minutes later, they exited the bank with $755,000 and 48 cents. I love that they took 48 cents. <laughs> so great. They took. Give me that. They took, they took a quarter. A dime. Two, two, two dimes. dimes. And three pennies. <laughs> <laughs> Tolls. <clears throat> then on May 31st at 10.05 a.m., Larry Jr. And this is, this is fucking three weeks later. You, you just got 755000 Take a fucking break. 755000 Take a break. They're back Chill. at it on May 31st. Chill. 10 a.m. 10.05. Larry Jr. and Emil robbed another Bank of America and got away with $794,000. There you go. $794,000 and $200. Right, okay. They thought the bank would have $2 million. That was what they thought when they walked in. But due to new security measures, a significant portion of that money had been collected two days earlier. So... Clearly, Bank of America changed shit up because they just got robbed of seven hundred fifty-five thousand. How great! I mean, but still, you get eight hundred fucking grand for five minutes. Okay, yeah. Now, they, now they have now they have like over one point six million dollars. Yeah. <clears throat> so this time they left two bank tellers injured. Their feet were both hit by shrapnel, and an assistant bank manager was assaulted with the muzzle of a gun. Larry Jr. and Emil were dubbed the high-incident bandits by investigators due to the weaponry they had used in their robberies. They could have definitely come up with a better title. And did no, was there not a cop anywhere who was like, hey, yeah. man, you remember those guys we pulled over that had all the weapons? Yeah, yeah, those were cool guys. Like all the, all the weapons in the, in the state. Those guys were super cool. Well, I'm just saying, there's guys that are shooting up places with a bunch of weapons. I know, we gotta find them too. You're right, we gotta find those I mean, guys. I just wish we knew where to start. We should we should talk to those other guys and see... See if they can help? See if they can help us. Uh, that's not a bad idea. Those guys were super cool and fine. They're very cool guys. Cool. On February 28th, 1997, Larry Jr. and Emil arrived at the Bank of America on Laurel Canyon Boulevard in a blue 1987... Chevrolet celebrity that had been spray painted white. Okay, so we'll just okay, let that car detail go okay. that there was a white car called Celebrity. There was a white car called Celebrity, and then they spray painted it white. So it was a blue car that they spray painted white. Right. I don't. I don't know what the thinking there was, but they were like, "Look, we're going to rob a bank. We better have a white car." Look, Let's since we car. since we started going to the banks, we don't use the spray paint as much as we used to. So I figure maybe we just spray paint the car, give it a nice spray paint shine. Hey, Larry. Larry, I find the white car police cannot see. It's smart, Emil. Like where your fucking heads at, bro. They cannot see white car. Oh, oh, let me put that stick in your mouth. Okay, shake my boobies. Look at those titties. Look at my boobies. Look at those titties. (laughs) They got out of the car at 9.17 a.m. Let me tell you something right now. If the phrase, they got out of the car at 9.17 a.m. You're going to get away. I agree. There's horrible things about (laughs) that. Yeah. No, the precise time you got out of a car. Yeah. Not good. After taking phenobarbital, oh wow, a muscle relaxing drug to calm themselves. Phenobarbital really is a, a fine line with taking prescription medications <laughs> before bank robberies. Phenobarbital is a long acting barbiturate and is the most widely used anti seizure medication globally. Side effects <laughs> include a seizures decreased, <laughs> decreased level of consciousness along with a decreased eff- effort to breathe, also hypnosis, sedation, and dizziness. So, but basically, they took. Larry also took 
Emil's seize. seizure because they didn't want him to seize up in the middle of the. And Larry's like, Some "Everybody, the put your put the money in the. Hold on, hold on. Oh Jesus! Hold on, we're gonna wait this out. Sorry. Can you put a stick in his? Uh, Somebody. Uh, we're gonna wait this out, and then we're gonna get the money. Emil gets seizures. He, I mean, Larry oh, gets seizures. Me. I mean, uh, do over. We're using this money to buy lawnmowers in case anyone asks. Can you, can you guys unhear? They walk toward the bank, both armed with one Chinese-made Norinco-type 56 Sporter assault rifle each and wearing gas and wearing ski masks and bulletproof body armor suits weighing 40 pounds. They synchronized their watches and gave themselves eight minutes. Larry Jr. had used a radio scanner to monitor police transmissions prior to the robbery, which is how he came up with the eight-minute interval. Now, it's a good plan, except sure. the one thing I would say is Whenever you see a robbery, generally, people don't put it all on outside and then walk in. You would go to a closer location. Yeah. You wouldn't get out of your car wearing all the stuff. No. No. <laughs> nope. LAPD officers Lauren Farrell and Martin Perello saw the two gentlemen walking into the bank and put two and two together. <laughs> They're not making a deposit. <laughs> It probably wasn't hard because of all the guns and body armor. They looked like they were going to a shoot-slash-bombing event. The cops issued a 211 alert, the police code for an armed robbery in progress. Farrell and Perillo then positioned themselves behind a parked semi-truck while Emil forced a 32-year-old man who deposited $85 at one of the bank's ATMs inside the bank at gunpoint. They entered the bank. Okay. Larry Jr. shouted, this is a fucking holdup. I like the balls. Total hack, though. Yeah, it like, is hacking. You can't come up with anything. No. They opened fire, sprang at the ceiling. Eesh. This was to intimidate the bank tellers and customers. Sure. Because, because two guys walking in loaded with weapons wearing basically garbage cans of armor isn't intimidating enough. You got to shoot that ceiling. <laughs> Let them know. It's time to get scared. <laughs> The officers outside reported a shots fired alert. Inside the bank, Larry Jr. and Emil were experiencing problems. Due to new security measures, probably because they had already robbed two Bank of Americas, the banks broke their money down into separate lockable boxes to slow down any robbers. Uh. And Bank of America had again varied its delivery times to its banks. As a result, the sum of money at the Laurel Canyon Bank was much less than they expected. Emil demanded the manager give them all of the money, but there wasn't any more. In a rage, he emptied a full drum of ammo into the vault. Unfortunately, that's where they keep the money. Yeah. So he turned a bunch of cash into oh, a nice geez. mist. <laughs> Emil. He could have shot anywhere. Up. We were just shooting the ceiling. What was wrong with that? It was working out great. <laughs> Give me all the money. You it's just shot just all the shot fucking the... money. God damn it. This is like a bad movie. <laughs> oh. Well, Piece t- together with tape. T- now, Emil. Put, put in bag. Take we time. Make, we, we, make, we make money puzzles. You know, the kids used to make fun of my titties. Hey, you, they call me fat. And... <laughs> the two eventually left with $303,305. Okay. By that point, at least they're not taking change anymore. Yeah, they have stuff to change stuff. By that point, teams of police police officers are surrounding the bank. Mm -hmm. Sergeant Larry Haynes and Officer Martin Whitfield were on the north side of the bank. Officers Farrell and Perello 
on the front of the bank, Officer Edward Brettlinger on the northeastern side, Officers James Zabrovin and Stuart Guy, as well as Detectives Tracy Angelus and William Krulak were at the west doorway. Larry Jr. walked out of the bank at 9.24 a.m., and he saw Haynes and Whitfield about 200 feet away and opened fire with his assault rifle, riddling their vehicles with bullets. People freaked out and started running for cover. Now, now but here's the thing. If, you, if I'm walking down the street and I see cops hunched behind cars, yeah. I'm not on the street. No. I'm, I'm already running away before the bad things happen. Of course. Yeah. Who the fuck is walking around? I wonder what they're doing. What are they shooting? Oh my gosh, look at all these cops. Look at that. Larry Jr. continued to shoot with his automatic weapon and his firearm for several minutes eventually shooting seven police officers and two civilians. Next, Larry started shooting an LAPD helicopter that had just arrived. Wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. It's pretty. I mean, he's shooting into the sky at a flying thing. He, right now, he's a hero. Hey, I mean, you never know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> he forced the helicopter to fly to a much higher altitude. <laughs> The helicopter has been like, hey, well, he's fucking crazy. I can see him. I'll tell you guys if he goes anywhere. (laughs) He's shooting shooting at me. The police returned fire with their pistols. But because Larry Jr. was so fully covered in body armor, they had no effect. So they're just pinging off. Yeah. Even Officer Zabrovin's Ithaca Model 37 pump-action shotgun did absolutely nothing. Larry retreated back into the bank. Moments later, he came out, this time with Emil. They were both carrying a large bag containing the money they stole, right? Yeah. So it's going to work. It's going to work. Yeah. We got we're really going to fucking make it out of here. Got a real good feeling. Then the dye packs went off and ruined all the money. <laughs> Total failure. Jesus. The dye packs went off. The best thing is the assistant manager didn't even mean to put the dye packs in. He did it on accident. So they so they run out <laughs> of the so bank. so nervous. And they get outside and they hear this pop, pop. The and packs like, go off. And they're like, oh, fuck. Fuck me. 18 minutes after the gun battle had begun, members of the SWAT team arrived. So now they're just there sitting there shooting, yeah. right? They had come straight from an exercise run and were wearing shorts and tennis shoes under their body armor. Okay. So they were in training. They sure. were just training yeah. at the SWAT team headquarters, whatever they call it. They were also armed with AR-15s, and this is when the tide began to turn. First, SWAT team members commandeered a Brinks armored car to evacuate the wounded who were hiding behind cars on the street. Now, Larry Jr. and Emil were just going into escape mode. They were no longer, they no longer had yeah. any ca- the cash. No, they're not robbing, yeah. <laughs> and their escape plan was to shoot everyone everywhere. Smart. They opened fire on officers and civilians, injuring Officer Guy and a civilian, and shot again Officer Whitfield and Sergeant Hayes. Jesus. Because these guys are now just behind cars hiding. Right. They can't get away. Because there's just bullets everywhere. So now the Brinks car is moving in. So wait, but they're like, they're in the open. Yeah, they're just behind the oh the two Larry, Larry and, and Emil. Yeah, they're just standing in the street. So wait, is this the is this when these is this the guys? Yeah, this is this is the North Hollywood shut, shootout. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> I can't believe I got to know those guys just now. <laughs> <laughs> they then began to move toward their. They then began to move toward their Chevrolet celebrity. <laughs> it's just that's just it's so hard to read. In the middle of this crazy gunfight, like Larry's like, Emil, let's go for the car. Hey, let's the go to the car, car we spray painted white. <laughs> the car that's. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate escape vehicle. <laughs> yeah, you'll the be sh- fine in that. The Chevrolet Larry. Yeah. That was one of them when one of them was first shot. Emil was shot in the ass. 
mm. and the left forearm. Larry Jr. then saw a group of officers trying to flank them from a backyard and he opened fire. Detective Earl Valadares was hit in the head by flying debris and seriously wounded. In the middle of the gun battle, five officers went to the B&B gun shop, which has since closed down, and started borrowing weapons and ammunition. Wow. So the cops are fucking running to a local gun shop yeah. and going, give me whatever you got. Yeah. <clears throat> We're going to need stuff. No bigger things. Yeah. I'm Emil, sure they squared it away with that guy. Yeah, I'm sure too. they did. I'm sure yeah. they've made it all fine. Yeah. Well, I wonder why the place closed down. Mm. Well, because the LAPD took Oh, because they the got guns. all their guns stolen from them by cops. And afterwards, the cops like, we didn't go. I didn't. Uh, anyway. You got proof? We'll see you later, buddy. A male got in the Chevrolet and started his engine while Larry Jr. covered him with a Heckler and, Ma- and Cock M9A1A3 semi-automatic rifle. Police shot at him and hit the rifle, making it useless. Larry Jr. was also hit in the shoulder. He threw the gun down and pulled out a Norenko Type 56 S1 assault rifle, but it was jamming. To make things even more complicated, the phenobarbital was really kicking in. Oh, God. Yeah, you didn't expect the phenobarbital during this. I was going to shoot the police. The gun's jammed, Neil. <laughs> Can't make my word. tongue feels weird. <laughs> Do you guys want to keep shooting at each other? <laughs> the gun's like, what? <laughs> you mean maybe we should just be friends? Can we call a truce? <laughs> Emil's ass Holy is Holy shit, look at my hands. <laughs> and then the assailant got distracted by his hands for about an hour and a half. <laughs> which point the battle consumed. You, this looks like a rabbit, right? <laughs> his hands. <laughs> Larry Jr. was becoming confused and started to lack coordination. <laughs> Good. That was a really bad idea. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> The assault rifle then permanently jammed. Larry Jr. tossed it down and opened fire with a 9mm Beretta model 92FS semi-automatic pistol. Police returned fire and shot Larry in the right hand. That caused him to drop his pistol. As he picks up the pistol, SWAT fires away, and 10 shots from the SWAT team penetrable bullets hit his armor. So he shot. Uh, so then Larry Jr. shoots himself in the chin. He picks up the gun, shoots himself in the chin. In an attempt of at suicide? Well, okay, so one theory, He's just bird one theory it? is is that he killed himself. Another theory is is that his hand had been shot, and he picked up the gun and tried to tried to like cock it, you know. Oh, because we used the only thing he could, which is right underneath his helmet. Right, and he shot himself in the chin while reloading. I kind of want to feel like I'm that's going, the one. I'm totally going with that one. <laughs> I'm gonna say that it's, it's just not a one. better. It's just a better story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was 9.52 a.m. Okay. So that's, it started at 9.17. That's a while. That's a long time. That's like an episode of Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> or any other show but Cheers. <laughs> I'm staying with the time. Yeah, okay. Still on 97? No, yeah, I think that's fair. I like that now we're going to do it in the time, we're going to keep in the pop culture. Oh, maybe the- Seinfeld. Seinfeld, Seinfeld, sure. Yeah. Sure. Meanwhile, Emil... <laughs> Boop, 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 boop. Meanwhile, Emil was driving on Archwood Street. So he's in the car now. Good. He's driving in full body armor, looking normal. And he's made a decision to abandon the Chevrolet celebrity <laughs> and carjack another vehicle because the Chevy had two flat tires and a windshield completely riddled with bullets. And he didn't like how the spray paint looked. I, I, can't, I can't believe that that car wasn't working. Yeah, it's shocking. 
Emil Block. I can't believe he's driving. <laughs> the fuck, like, what? Well, the cops are like, oh, shit. Emil blocked a red Ford Tempo and fired at the driver. The car and driver got away. Emil then came across a group of cars and confronted an aerospace engineer named Bill Marr, who had been trying to drive his, to his workplace at the Van Nuys Airport in his 1963 Jeep Cherokee pickup truck. I remember this shit. It's a fucking awesome car. Yeah, it's like an orange truck, right? Yeah, it's like a, yeah. It's, yeah yellowish Rust. orange. Yeah, but it's an awesome it's fucking yeah. 63 Cherokee pickup. That's a fucking yeah. awesome car. So, but the Bill Maher had been rerouted to Archwood Street because of a police blockade from the shootout. <laughs> I wonder so from what? Like, oh, fuck. I got to go this way? <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's like, oh, God, there's a... Should have probably just gone the other way. Uh, Emil shot at Maher, wounding him and forcing him to flee on foot. Maher ran to the house of a 69-year-old Dora Lubczynski, who thought he was an intruder and called police. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. This, for this reason, for... Hours after it all ended, police thought there were a lot more robbers and locked down the area. And Oh, just because of... Because the third guy popped up and they were like, there's more guys. <laughs> poor, poor fucking Bill. Yeah. Meanwhile, Emil grabbed a Bushmaster XM-15 E2S dissipator semi-automatic rifle from the trunk of the Chevy. He saw cops closing and got in Mars Jeep and tried to get it started. But... The problem was the Jeep was a stick shift, oh. and Emil didn't know how to drive a stick. Uh. He got out hey, of Hey, get Jeep. back in here and teach me how to drive <laughs> stick before I take off. Do I press Do I press the brake or the... What's this third pedal? I am actually starting to feel what you're talking about, that acceleration yeah, point where I need right to remove there. my foot off the clutch right there. a little bit. There, there, that's oh. interesting. Okay, wife. Well, oh, I'm sorry. The concept just shot me in the neck, so yep. that's well, that probably the end of the, today's tutorial. That was bad. Uh, I don't have tits, do I? Emil got out of the Jeep and took position behind it. Another SWAT team arrived and fired at Emil with AR-15 assault rifles for two and a half minutes. They then noticed that Emil wasn't wearing any armor on his legs and fired under the vehicle, hitting him over 20 times in the legs. Emil fell and gave up. When officers... This is a hard one to read. Oh, boy. When officers surrounded him, he called himself Pete. Okay. Okay, so the so, whole time for aliases. We're past the alias it's so time. so gone. It's so gone when you can get away with saying your name is Pete. <laughs> My name is Pete. <laughs> like, it makes any difference. Wait. At this point. And, the fir- and like, the first make- thing you're going to do is introduce yourself. <laughs> anyway, even if you weren't lying. Hello, I am Pete. I feel I feel bad that we did all that without knowing each other. My name's Pete. I like long walks. What do you guys how are, like? How are you? Uh, so I'm Pete. I'm not the guy. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I think there's a third guy, but I'm not him. My name's Pete. I wasn't. I wasn't here. My legs? Yeah, they're bleeding. <laughs> My name's Pete. <laughs> he taunted them to kill him. Can Pete. Kill Peter. Kill, kill Pete. Kill Fuck Peter. Pete. You like Pete? Shoot the Pete in the tits. <laughs> it's 10 a.m. A male slowly bled to death on the street. Strangely, it took 70 minutes for the ambulance to arrive. Oh, traffic. Isn't that weird? Traffic. It's yeah, it's really hard to get traffic. an ambulance. And They'd shut a lot of streets down because of a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so they couldn't get there. You can't get there. Irony. They were looking for a guy. Irony. Uh. Yeah. Uh, we're sorry about that. He died from excessive blood loss due to two gunshot wounds in his left thigh. Ugh. 
11 police That's officers. That's a slow bleed out. That is a very slow bleed out. They just Five? let him bleed to death. Yeah. But he shot a bunch of fucking cops. Like, oh, yeah. That's I'm, what happens. I get it. Yeah. They, they, his family actually sued afterwards. And then and then it was a hung jury. And the lawyers were like, no one's going to give you any well, money for it, this. They were like, our son Peter. Pete. <laughs> we called him. Petey. Petey Pete. Uh, 11 police officers were injured, as were six civilians. 2,000 rounds have been fired between the police officers and robbers. Can I just say... 2,000 rounds, okay? Yeah. Now, the SLA one was 9,000 9, rounds. Yeah. So, of the one we saw on TV that oh, we yeah. all watched, there was a 44-minute shootout. Which, the Hollywood which one with Emil and Larry. The other one was 7,000 more rounds. And, and and the one in North Hollywood, I mean, it really, it was, cr- it was it's nonstop firing. Well, there's, there's, a, there's documentaries on it. You can watch a documentary called 44 Minutes, I think. Ugh. Three cops who were involved that day later took their lives. Wow. Interesting, right? PTSD, Crazy. I would imagine. Right? Really? Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, imagine if you're getting shot. Yeah. The guys you like see get your shot buddies you get, get shot, shot again. Yeah. You're, you're being terrorized for a half an hour by what is essentially Michael Myers in, in, with a fucking gun. Like, it's crazy. And yeah. that would so fuck with your head. I just think it's, it's, it is a good thing we take care of the veterans. Though. I agree. Uh, after this incident, police and SWAT teams around the country began to load up on weapons, particularly LAPD. Seven months after the incident, the Department of Defense gave 600 surplus M16s to the LAPD, which were issued to each patrol sergeant. LAPD patrol vehicles now carry AR-15s as standard issue with bullet-resistant Kevlar plating in their doors as well. Hmm. After the shootout, police went to Valerie's Villa to search for clues about a meal and to find out why he you did mean what Pete. he did. Right, Pete, sorry. They found a woman with Down syndrome, Georgia Mayo, trapped in a room with boarded up windows, an open bucket for a toilet, and a padlock securing the door. Wow. She had a woman, she had a mentally disabled woman locked in a jail. She had boarded up all the windows and was having her piss in a bucket so she could get her social security checks. Oh, my God. That's so. It was fucking a decade dark. after she had lost her license to run. Oh my god! That woman had been in there for no. She wasn't one of. They'd taken all the women out, but she'd gotten another woman and put her in there. Oh my god! A third, another woman. She was re- receiving the social security checks for, and they had no idea where that woman was. And it turned out that woman had gone to Mexico. But okay, well, so, so I was. So were you sending one on a holiday and putting the other one in the house jail? Yeah. Cool. So this is what I'll say. The whole thing, all of it, was just to save Georgia Mayo, the mentally disabled woman from yeah. the house. That's, that's what the tale is. At the end, it's all about saving a woman who's jailed in Valerie's villa. I mean, that's the good thing that came out of it. That is what I'm saying. Wow, that was an hour and a half. Was it really? But that's a crazy story, right? Crazy. Now you know, now you know who they are. No, I. it's very dark and gratifying to hear the story of those guys it's crazy yeah because that really was when it was when it was i mean it was like you just had never seen anything no, like was, that you'd never seen insane. in the broad daylight yeah. people shooting at two michelin men who were bulletproof yeah that's basically what it was and it was and, crazy and anybody who was interested in this you can watch the i think it's on netflix 44 minutes or, or at least it's it's on like youtube now yeah uh, you can just go and, it's insane yeah it's completely insane wow all right well let's end it Wow. Hour and a half. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, 
this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help.